This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey guys, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. How is everybody doing today? And we need to get right into it because the time has come. We are once again having what we haven't had in a really long time, Listener Appreciation Day. What there's a story to be told, of course. We have the one and only Megan Hubert. Did I say your name right? You did. Yes. Awesome. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. It's been a long time coming. I've always wanted to dish the tea. So I'm pumped to be here. And here you are. Now, where are you calling from? You're in Queens, Brooklyn? Uh, I'm in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Yes. I was close, right? Yeah. Yeah. Close enough. And you are, what do you do? You're working from home during the quarantine. I've actually always worked remotely. Um, I work at an events company, um, for marketers, which is interesting because everything has gone virtual. So, um, I run our, our, all of our marketing, um, social videography, digital, uh, emails, um, et cetera. Um, so now we're in the virtual events world. So zoom, you know, this is the place to be. <laughs> like what type of events? Um, so we throw, you know, tent pole conferences with the CMOs of, major Fortune 500 brands. Um, we go to events like the Super Bowl. Um, Burger King Corporation hosted us at their headquarters there. Um, we go to the Cannes Lion Festival in the, um, the south of France every year, um, except for this year. Uh, south by Southwest um, in Austin, on and on. We throw about 60 events per year. Um, and it's just kind of gathering the marketing community together um, for some education, networking, drinks, et cetera. And virtual is like, it's trends. Cause like, you know, the celebrity are doing the whole virtual, like, you know, meet and greets and all that. And like, I've been yeah. a part of some of those, like I've helped Kim D on that. Like it's in like Tamara, it seems to be going well. It is. I think you have to pivot. There's no choice. Um, I would say it's not exactly a replacement of real life events, but it's a solid alternative. Um, and you know, we're doing the best we can. So like always working at home, your life is just continuing as it always has. It's kind of. It is. Yeah, exactly. So now, well, welcome behind the velvet rope. We're so happy to have you. And so when you first, you know, everyone reaches out and, you know, listen, we have a listener appreciation day for a reason. There's a wait list now, but you reached out and you expressed that, you know, I'm not going to read, like everyone gets nervous when I pull up the DM, so yeah. don't, don't worry. But, you know, you said that you discovered our podcast last week and you're obsessed. That's how you started the, the introduction. Now, what episode did you find us through? We're always, or how did you find us? I'm always curious now. Yeah. Um, so I saw the Charlie podcast blow up in the news. Um, and it was very timely, just about, it was right at the reckoning of Kristen and Saucy. Um, so it really kind of fueled my detective work in terms of what was going on with Pump Rules. Um, and from there, you know, the, the Tamara episode had me up in arms just hearing her perspective since she was sadly let go. 
Um, you know, you guys do amazing work. Your, your Sonia Up All Night episode will be very um, relevant to what we talk about today. So that really had me, you know, uh, reminiscing um, of my days working for her. So, yeah. When you clicked on that, because there's always a write-up that goes along with these guys. We do a nice little, when you clicked on that episode, did you think Sonia was a guest or was it clear from the write-up that Sonia was not a guest? That our good, was, that our listener, Brian Carlos, was our guest that day? Um, I thought it was very clear that she was not participating because I also know her antics and I don't think she would probably remember what to say in the scheme of things. That's true. No, I just, that yeah. episode happened to be very highly rated, which, you know, yeah. no, no, I'm not shunning our wonderful listener, Brian Carlos. I just was like, Jesus, this is a really highly rated episode. Does everyone yeah. think Sonia's on this episode? But the Charlie one really, believe it or not, I mean, listen, I don't hold things back. Charlie was our highest rated episode of all time ever to this Amazing. moment. Like, who would have thought that? Like, I swear, like, you just, I, guys, I've lost track of being able to predict these things. Because like you said, yeah. timing, and she was talking about the OGs. And like, for anyone who hasn't had, listen, the whole thing was Charlie basically being honest about how she was bullied by the OG cast, which it literally was released the day after Kristen and Stassi were let go. So yes, the timing was right. But that's our, that was our highest rated episode ever. So not that you're not a wonderful and fabulous person, Megan. So when you wrote to me and you're telling me you're obsessed with the podcast, it was great. Then I kept reading and I woke up from my dead sleep. So then Megan says, and let me just set the scene, guys. Take a seat. Then Megan said to me after saying she was obsessed with the podcast, I lived in Sonia's townhouse for a summer, like six years ago, as her quote unquote, live in intern. So I always appreciate the perspective behind the rope. Keep slaying. Well, I threw everything aside. We needed a moment. That was all I needed. And then it's like, okay, drop what you're doing, Megan. You need to come on audience listener appreciation day. This is crazy. Uh, I, it really is. And Danny Pellegrino and I were DMing years ago about me doing something, but I had a five-year NDA contract that I signed when I started. And it was perfectly timed reaching out to you once I discovered your podcast. It just felt, the moment felt right. So it's, it's nice that I'm finally free to talk about everything. And we love our Danny Pellegrino. We had him on our show. So, you know. That's so funny that you guys, you were going to go on that show. Now we're, yeah. now I'm even more excited to have you here. <laughs> but so there's a lot of things that you said, which, okay, let's just slow it down. So let's go back to this. So this was six years ago. Now, what were you doing in life? I have no idea how old you are now, yeah. but you seem young. So like, were you in college? What, what was going on? So I had just graduated college. Um, and I actually went, I went to the same college as Dorinda. So it's always fun to have that hindsight. Um, I went to college, um, at Franklin and Marshall, um, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I was a sociology major. My thesis was on fan culture and how social media has changed the dynamics between fan and celebrity. Um, so it, it felt very on brand for me to work for Sonia. I was I live in the town where Real Housewives of New Jersey is filmed. I went to school with Ashley Holmes. So like Bravo is just like my second language. Um, and I was watching the show and this is around the time when I was obsessed with tweeting at celebrities and I was very smart about reaching out to them. Like you need to know they're active and then you need to hit them. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's in the moment. And I saw Sonia was active during an episode 
back when uh, Tyler was her, you know, cherished intern. Um, and I just tweeted at her and I said, hey, I really want to be an intern for Sonia Morgan. And she liked the tweet and I found her email and I said, hey, you know, you liked my tweet, you know, don't tease me, like you got, you got to give me a shot. And she literally answered me and was like, can you, can you hop on the phone like right now? Um, Miss M, Miss M, that's how she always, I always had to call her Miss M. So Did she sign like, the email Miss M? Miss M, yes. Okay. So, yeah, so we had a phone call probably the next day. Um, and the only questions she asked me were what my horoscope was and what college I went to. That was as far as it got. And I told her I was a cancer and she was like, wow, so you're probably really sensitive, but I think like you have a big heart. So this will work. Can you come tomorrow? And, like for a formal interview. So I was like, sure. So I trekked to the Upper East Side from Jersey when I was living with my parents. And I thought it was an interview, but it ended up being like day one on the job. Like I was gardening, I was cleaning, I was setting the table, I was running groceries. And then she was like, can you come back next week and move in? And that's how it started. Okay. <laughs> Slow it down. <laughs> I know. That is like a 15 hour show right there. Now let's, <laughs> this is, I have a couple questions. So the wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. First of all, I mean, it's not about me. It's never about me. It's always about the guests. But so, like, I guested on Vicky Gumbleson's podcast, and, like, I talked about, like, the pitfalls of fame and, like, reality TV. Like, this is just something that I go on other podcasts to talk mm -hmm. about. So go back to this major of yours. Like, what was it? It was about, because I'm so, this is what I talk about. I could talk about this for hours. Like, the, what was it like, just the interaction between fans and like reality TV, like that's a major or a minor? What, what so you was? I was a sociology major, um, but I also had a minor in women's and gender studies as well as music um, ethnography. So um, basically I wrote my senior thesis in a class that was about technology intersecting with you know, how people interact and the rise of social media and how that impacts relationships. So my thesis was about Miley Cyrus um, compared to, you know, the 90s rock, 80s, 90s rock stars um, and how people assume with social media, there's more intimacy and more of a, a close relationship between the fan and the celebrity. But really, we're just doing work for the celebrity. Like, they're not liking your tweets. They're not responding to you. They're retweeting you when you say, I love Miley Cyrus's new album because you're promoting their album for them. You know what? It, they don't really care about you in the scheme of things. So it was about um, unpacking that, um, which again, like the whole celebrity idea of living with a celebrity, like a celebrity, right? Like in the Bravo scheme of things and experiencing that firsthand, again, behind the velvet rope was like basically like a case study for me and what I explored in school. 
Right. I mean, that's, and that is, was that the general thing to the thesis? And do you think, like, did you realize that before this thesis in your major? And do you think most people do? Because I don't know if most people do. So the irony is I am obsessed with celebrity, but I also was looking, so I was looking at it internally as a fan, but also externally as a sociologist. So it adds that perspective insider versus outsider. And I can completely acknowledge that that's the way it is. But if Andy likes my tweet, if Lena Dunham like has liked my tweet, which all this has happened, I still get excited about it. Like, so it's, it's, yeah. So I think it's like, it's hard to debunk that and, and like take it apart because I'm still a fan and I'm still going to take it if I get it. I get it. I feel that on the spectrum, I was there and now I feel like I'm almost not there. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess if Madonna liked one of my comments or share, but other than that, I have, yeah. But, but I get it. But I mean, I, I just think it's so interesting. I mean, that's the whole genesis of this podcast, to be behind the velvet rope, but also a fan. But yeah. I find that I now get less excited when people comment and like things, which is not to say I, there's, no, there's no positive or negative. But, that's, but I don't know if most people get that. Like, I agree mm-hmm. with you that, yeah, you're going to be retweeted or liked or reposted when you're saying how much you love them, which is for them, you're making them look good to sell something to make more money. This, so it's good to be a fan, but like to your point, it doesn't mean they love you really. Right. I mean, my, my thesis, my ending thesis was fandom is free labor in the scheme of things. You're, you're a promotional totally. arm, you know, for them. Um, but again, I'm happy to do it. And I'm, you are too. <laughs> totally. I mean, I just wrote a book about this. I mean, when it comes out, who knows, but it's really about literally, it's literally a hundred percent how I went from being a fan to a friend mm. and then like a friend to running a business. And so like, how did mm. I turn being a fan into like an actual profitable business. And that's kind of like an overlying theme of my book of like, you know, for everyone who's, I was just on Margaret Joseph's podcast too. And she's like, you know, everyone says you're a stalker and this and that. And like, my thing is like, yeah. And Margaret's thing too was like, who cares? Like, but my point of, which is in the book is kind of like, it was always more about me. Like I always was kind Mm. of in on the joke that you're retweeting me or whatever, because it makes you look good. And it really was more about me. I just needed to figure out how to turn it into a business and now I finally have. So, right. But I think that's so interesting. Like I could talk about that all day. Cause I think me too. it's just from like a sociological point of view, it's interesting. And just the bigger thing of like, why do you like certain celebrities? You know, like, why do I love Sharon Madonna? Other than the fact that I'm like a nice self-respecting gay boy but you know, it's just interesting. And then like some of it say someone else. And it's just, I find it so interesting why you like certain celebrities and you don't and reality stars. And I think it's just all, I think it's more of a selfish thing than people realize like you're a fan, but it really is what it does for you inside. Mm. I, I yeah. Think. And now switching gears, cause we don't, you know, you'll, you'll come back on for 12 other shows. Is Dorinda a big deal at the college you mentioned? Or like, do people say, oh, Dorinda went here? Or it's not even mentioned. No, no. So I met her at a Lady Gaga concert um, with her daughter. And it was probably like three years after I, I was with Sonia. And I was back there, I think for, before Dorinda, maybe season one of when Dorinda was on um in terms of their I was there when they were airing the show um but when I met her it was so funny I was like 
hey, I went to FNM and she was like, oh my God, alumni. And then she was like, I told her about Sonia and working for her. And she was like, oh, I pray for you. <laughs> and I was like, I'm on the other end now. It was lovely. But yeah, no, FNM does not acknowledge that. I didn't even realize that she went there until one of my, you know, like colleagues told me recently. That's so funny. So, so look, so you were industrious, like you right out of school, you had no job. You just reached out to Sonia. So she, these were the questions during the interview. She just cared about the horoscope sign. So what would have happened if you said you were a Gemini? Like, I, I, I don't know, you wouldn't have gotten the job. We wouldn't be here today, David. <laughs> oh my God. So, okay, so that, and then you went for the interview, but what, you just showed up and she's like, go set the table, like all of a sudden it became your, like when was it evident that your interview was actually your first day of work? Uh, like probably five minutes in. I basically walked in and I mean, it's, it's a mat, it's a five floor townhouse, you know, like it needs a lot of work and a lot of upkeep. So I walked in there, um, this was a week after Pickles got let go, um, you know, at fan favorite Pickles. Um, and I think she was, and Pickles lived with her. So she has a rotating like five um, interns at a time, but the majority of them just work like 10 hours a week, a few hours a week. And then she has one live-in who's basically an assistant. Um, so I got there and she was like, okay, this, 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 and this, and like gave me a list of things that needed to be done with like no context. And, th and then I had dinner with her and her daughter and then I moved in. So when you showed up, were there, was, was there other interns in the house at the same time? Not that day. No. And what were some of the things that were just like, go do this with no context? Like, I'm just so curious. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it was, they were very trivial things, like literally taking out the trash, taking the dogs to the groomer, um, you know, running errands, like dropping off. Like she had a lot of designers that would lend her clothes. So I would like go to designer showrooms, drop them off, um, watering the plants every day, um, making, starting her Epsom salt bath in the morning, bringing her oatmeal, um, we used her toaster for dinner. She taught me how to make eggplant farm. The toaster is real. Um, were, I, you you know, were you like, a, I mean, you were a fan. Like you watched Brony at this point. Yeah. Were you dying when the toaster was involved? Were you like, I'm dead? Yes. And it was so hard to like, remember, like I am at her ser for service. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to ask her a million questions about the toaster. But it was just one night she was like, Let's make eggplant parm. Quincy's here, who's her daughter. Yeah. Um, she had a very sweet relationship with her daughter. And she just was like, the best eggplant parm you'll ever make is in this toaster oven. And I was like, all right, I guess we're using a toaster oven. Was there, okay, so other than, you know, welcome, there's no interview, here's a list of like 13 things to do. Was there ever like a sit down, you know, like, oh, so um, first of all, I'm imagining that this internship was unpaid, I'm assuming. So I got $200 a week in petty cash. Um, so when I was worked, that discussed? Like, was it? That you... was discussed like the day I got there. Um, because I think once I moved in, um, so not the day of like the interview, aka my first day on the job. When I moved in, Tyler was there, her old intern that literally ran her life. And he trained me in everything. So he had like a binder and he just like threw it on the table. And he was like, this is everything you need to do. It's actually remarkably organized in terms of her day to day life and what needs to get done. Like, getting her vitamins and medicine ready in the morning, you know, and like 
you know, when she goes to Europe for a weekend, this is what you pack and this is the bag you use and these are the shoes you pack, like with pictures of everything. Like I will say they were wildly organized, which I was not. So I looked very foolish for someone who went to like a good liberal arts school. Like I looked like incompetent half the time because it just, I'm not meant to pick up people's trash. I'll just say that. Um, I, so I get it, was, it. it was a little belittling, but like, I just kept trying to be like, I need to power through for the story. Like, this is wild. And there were cool parts of it, which you can get into more, like, because the show was airing and what we did while the show aired, you know, being involved in, like, the social media amplification of that was really cool. Um, having, like, viewing parties with all of her team Sonia was really cool. Um, so things like that. So, okay, so you get there. I'm still, like, I'm taking it. So you get there, and she's like, no, this is all good. And she's like, you're going to get $200, like, under the table a week to do what you want with. And then was there ever the, so, I mean, you've got something, but was there ever a, like, you know, an internship is a mutually beneficial thing and I'm going to pay you, but the goal is really that you should learn something. And what are your goals in life, Megan? And like, there was nothing like that. And like, you know, rather than just being, you know, my person to do these things, what would you like to get out of this internship? And what would you like to learn? No, it was really just like hit the ground running. Um, and like, again, she has a massive house, you know, she's a daughter, she was, you know, balancing businesses, I, I never understood what they were while I was there, but she apparently was. So she just had a lot that had to be done. And I, she just was like, all right, let's go for it. Like you're jumping right in. Like there's, there's no turning back. And was Tyler, when he threw this binder on the table, was he like, good fucking luck, I'm out of here, your life is over, or nothing, or how did that handoff go? He was so sweet. I, I would praise him endlessly, because um, I had to text him a lot, like, as I was starting being, like, because I was terrified, you know, like, if I did something wrong, or I didn't know what to do, so I was in communication with him a lot in the beginning, just being, like, like, crap, like, I need to make sure that, like, I don't, mess this up because she has a very high expectation and it's something that's not done the way she likes it to be done she's rem insanely meticulous um that she would lose it so i actually worked very closely with him in the beginning just like as i started understanding the flow of the day and what her priorities were you know like if i if you know the dog poop wasn't cleaned up outside you know i would hear it you know like by 8 a.m so it was things like that. Um, I also got her a credit card to use for like groceries because um, I did grocery shopping for them and like household, you know, shopping things that she would need for cleaning purposes. I did that. So, I mean, and I worked seven days a week. So on, honestly, I, it, it was better than me being home and like wasting money doing nothing. And when did the NDA get thrown out there? Like right away? There's $200 right. a week? Right when I moved in, yeah, the day I moved in, I had to sign that. I mean, that makes sense. Smart, yeah. That's smart. And did we ever not get our $200? Was that on time? No, no, I was definitely, no, she was great about that. Like, That's good. she had like a really good schedule and um, also like $200 doesn't get you very far. Um, so I would, you know, just remind her if there was ever a situation where she didn't, but she was on top of that. So, okay, so go back. I think you mentioned this. So when you started doing all these things, when did we decide that you were going to be the full-time, like, move into my house and sleep here and pack all your stuff, leave New Jersey and come live with me? When did that happen? So 
I think it was an urgent decision on her end when she realized that Pickles was leaving and she didn't have someone 24 seven to, you know, like be at her service constantly. So when it was either over email or over a phone call um, and she was like, listen, I know you wanted to just do like kind of an internship the way that some of the other folks do, you know, 10 hours a week, but we actually could use a live-in intern. And it just kind of naturally happened. And it was one of those things where I was like, wow, that's like, that's as inside as I get to like, to be as close to a Bravo celebrity. Like we're sleeping under the same roof. So to me, it was like, why not? Like, this is, I, I, I'm, I already, I asked for it. So like, you know, like ask to leave, receive, like I got it. And I, and like, it couldn't have been a more wild circumstance for a Bravo fan. So I couldn't say no. Were you ever like, well, why me? There's four others. I just got here. Like, why am I the chosen one? Or was that never crossed your mind? You were like, I live for Bravo and this is behind the velvet robe. Yeah, I think if I had hesitated, she would have been like, we'll find someone else. Like, I, like she said it and I was like, yep, sure. I'll be there next week. Like, sure. Like, there was just no option to me. And so now why did Pickles, why wasn't Pickles? She was there for a while. What happens with Pickles? Um, she had some problems. Um, and tra I'm not going to get into full details out of respect, but she trashed the, um, like, the intern quarters, um, which were on the fifth floor. She had, like, a whole apartment, basically, to herself. And she really got messed up and ruined it. So um, when I lived there, I had to live on the second floor in like, on like this like couch, because I think she kind of scarred Sonia because she kind of took advantage of the situation. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I'll say about that. So Pickles did something inappropriate is what you're saying. Yeah. And that's why her employment came to an end. Yes. Were you excited to meet Pickles? Like, I mean, you had seen her on air. Uh, yes, I was very devastated that um, the way it worked out that I did not get to. But I was happy enough to meet Tyler because he was like the knight in shining armor for Sonia. And what was I going to say? Um, so, I mean, now that she asked you to move in, like you were still, like how much into this? Was it like five days? I think you mentioned it, but remind me. So it started out, um, I would get off Saturdays, um, and then a few weeks went by and she was like, "Never mind, you're working for me seven days a week. Um, so like she would knock on my door at 11 p.m. on a Sunday and say, hey, like I'm hungry and bored, do you wanna go get dinner? And I would be like in my bed and I'd be like, okay. So we would just 11 like, get PM? dinner. Yeah, like randomly. Okay, so let's just go back for a few more Sorry. seconds. No, no, no. This yeah. is there's there's so much here. So now, when you decided to take this job, now you're you're at home in Franklin Lakes, I assume. Uh, Wyckoff. So I went Wyckoff. to high school in Franklin Lakes. Yeah. Did you ever go to Pizza Love? It's Kathy Wakili's place there. It's yes, good. it's great. It's delicious. It's delicious. Shout out to Miss Kathy. And Kathy listens to the show. Trust me. Um, so you're home and your parents are like, did they understand your obsession with Bravo? Are they like, what do you mean you're going to go live with like a 50 year old woman? I mean, no disrespect to age. Cause I mean, I'm no spring chicken. I'm just, what was going through your parents' mind at this point? I am a free spirit. And I think my parents 
any decision I've made, they just know I'm an unpredictable person and I'm just going to do, like, I have a conviction. And if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I don't necessarily ask for feedback um, like most kids would. I just kind of told them that I was doing it. But when I told them, like, this fell into my lap, they were like, oh, I mean, you, you have to do it. Like, that's hilarious. Like, you're not doing anything else right now. And they were like, use this time to apply to real jobs and, you know, like, but also to fulfill your Bravo fan dreams at the same time. So they thought it was hilarious. You know, it was like the talk of the town that it was happening, you know, so they were uh, supportive, but obviously confused by the choice. And at any point, I mean, this, at this point, was it, um, was it more like, okay, I got a job and a place to live? Um, or was it like, you're still in that, you know, like we talked about the fan versus like yeah. real, the real where you were in the fan mode. Yeah. And I think it was funny because I was like, I'm going to put this on my LinkedIn, like, and my resume, like this is a talking point eventually. And every interview I've ever been on, it's discussed. And like, it has like this little bit of spiciness to my background and experience. Were they like, oh my God, you were interned. I mean, does, does that, so when you go for like, you know, other, did, did it come out your, at your current job now? Were they like, yeah. talk, really? Any like new hire that we have when I like onboard them, like it always gets brought up. And then people are like, can we do a follow-up call for 30 minutes where I pick your brain? And I'm like, sure. So uh, it's constantly, ha- and it's in my Instagram bio. I think it's funny. Um, like I have like one lived like lived with Sonia Morgan in her townhouse and people occasionally reach out to it's a fun talking point it is well I mean it got me to respond to you immediately I mean I would have responded anyway because I actually am really good at responding to DMs but I went from you know subscribe to my podcast and make sure you you know love me versus uh, I need to speak to you immediately (laughs) okay so your parents dealt with it this is your dream you move in she, I mean, at this point you already worked there where she like, choose your room. You have a choice of four rooms or was it like, this is the intern room. These are the details that, that matter. Oh no. It was like, you can't live in the staffing quarters because of pickles. So you're stuck in this room. And it was like, I wouldn't really call it a couch. Like it, it was tiny. My body barely fit on it. And I had this like dresser and a closet with like a full length mirror um, I mean, it, it was small, but, and I had a private bathroom, which was nice. That's um, nice. But I made do, yeah. And then, okay, so once you're there, was it you can come and go as you please? You have plans with friends on the Upper East Side, you're going down to the village, or was it like these, you know, I mean, I guess you were working, but like when you weren't working, could you just come and go as you pleased? Um, I could get away with if I was running errands all day, like, you know, she always had me doing something. I wasn't there for nothing. So I can get away with, like, I had a few friends that lived at home on the Upper East Side that I would be like, do you want to go on a walk with me or do you want to get coffee? But if I was gone for more time than she thought I should be gone, I was getting hounded. So, I, and I would say, you know, I was up at 6 a.m., you know, doing all the chores I had to do and probably I'd get in bed at 11 and like watch something I don't something on TV I had a tiny TV in there so I'd watch something on Bravo and then the next day would start so it was like late nights and early mornings yeah now let's talk about some of these things you mentioned before about the like knock on the door at 11 so you know 
describe this? Like, was Sonia looking for a friend? Like, did she have a lot of friends come over? Like, talk to me about the personal side of all this. Yeah, so she is, I will preface all of this with, she has the most enormous heart. Everyone can see that on the show. She's so, you know, friendly and open and kind and warm. Um, but so I was there while the show aired, um, which was interesting. It wasn't filming, which I, at first I was a little bummed, but I thought the airing actually added a lot of interesting touch points because, you know, she, she, rec- like, she's a little, you know, outside of the realm of reality to, to put it nicely. And she had an idea of how the show went when she filmed it. But then when we aired it, mm-hmm. right, like it was, oh, they completely, you know, manipulated my storyline to make me out to be a drunk. But me and Ramona's contracts got, you know, lifted and we're, pay- we're getting paid more. So that's what happened. And she was aware of that. Um, that's a side note. But um, I was expecting her to be in constant communication with the housewives hanging out with them because they all seemed to be relatively close. But there was maybe one instance when Dorinda came over, we would text uh, Ramona sometimes, but she really, her team, you know, the people that cater to her, her facialists, right? Like her doctors, um, you know, um, her interns, all of her, you know, gay community that she loves. Those are the people she hangs out with. So, you know, she trusted me and if she, you know, was feeling needy and wanted to, you know, talk to someone and, and you know, them really just be a listener um, while she vents about the show, that was me. And it was interesting because she knew I was a fan. So she would talk to me and, you know, she knew I was on her side. So if she was mad at Heather that day or, you know, mad at Harry Dubin, you know, like I would hear that. Um, so she would just wake, almost wake me up in the middle of the night occasionally and be like, let's go get dinner somewhere. I want a burger and I want to talk. So we would just, I, I probably wouldn't have even eaten because I ate already. And then I just sit there and listen to her vent about the show. And that's all she talked about. Okay. So there's so many more things again. Now, when you, first of all, are you, and again, I also, I don't like to insert my own opinions into interviews and sit downs because it really isn't about my opinion. It's about the audience's opinion, but and I do love Miss Morgan. So with that said, I, I also love Miss Morgan, but I, that's not my job. My job is just to get to the bottom of things here. So are you saying that Sonia, really her friends were her facialists and her doctor and her <laughs> interns? Because that's what I hear. She has, I would say, um, like three really close friends where she travels with um, to Europe. Like one of her friends um, has a house in Europe where like her and her daughter go visit her go visit every summer she has one friend on the west coast she sees a lot um but those relationships are obviously like very personal to her i would never be involved in any of those meetings um but in terms of everyday life she lives a pretty simple life and she has you know her gaze and team sonia around her at all times you know this is six years ago so i i don't know how much has changed since then um but you know, and she was also just very focused on the fact that, that she was in promo mode because the show was airing, you know. So everything was about the show while I was there, which I would assume is a 365 kind of vibe for her. You know, she lives and breathes for the show and it's clear. Um, yeah. And so was she mad at Heather and Harry Dubin quite a bit during your time there? Yeah. Um, Heather went on Watch What Happens Live. Um, and I cannot remember what she revealed, 
but she revealed something that had to do with Harry and Sonia and it was completely not factual. Um, and I was with the housekeeper in the other room while Sonia called Heather and she was like screaming at her, cursing her out, like literally at the top of her lungs. And I've never heard Sonia like yell. So it was like yell in front of me, like sure on the show, like when she's like drunk, but like she's never really yelling at people because um, she's just so sweet. And she was just going ballistic on Heather and like was like, I trusted you. I can't believe you're doing this. You're going behind my back. We had this conversation already. So that was like the, one of the more juicier moments when I was there because I remember just like looking at the housekeeper and we both were like, like just like in shock that we were experiencing like what happens during Watch It Happens Live, but behind the curtain um, and like witnessing the aftermath of it all, which, which was wild. Like right after Watch What Happens, she was screaming yeah. at like midnight. Ish. yeah exactly yeah and what about my buddy harry that i'm out with every night prior to quarantine who i've spoken to during quarantine many I a day yes. what happened with him she is very fond of him well i was there um she went on some dates she had some guys over harry was never one to come in the door um so and again this was the season airing after a lot of the harry sonia drama was happening but the only discussion that was ever around him was about what was aired on the show not what was happening currently so i think you know in the moment when i was there there was nothing crazy going on with them prior to quarantine sometime in like january or february harry told me a story like in real time that nothing but something happened but we're not going to repeat it here. That's why I have okay. a Patreon account. So not a plug for me, but anyone that goes to Patreon, that's where I talk about the more. But Harry told, and I'm like, if I repeated this, it's just, I mean, Harry's yeah. like, you, Harry, it's not Harry. Harry's like, you go to, re Harry is so loyal and like such a nice guy. He's like, you repeat whatever I tell you on your show that will help your show. I don't care. It's just, it's not my place to repeat. Yeah. But there is something. But um, anything else? Did you hear her like scream at anyone? Who was on the show at this point? Was that like a Viva? Was Tinsley on the show? No, Tinsley. Um, it was Ramona, Luann, um, Dorinda, Newly, um, Bethany, and Heather. Oh, Kristen. Um, mm. Yeah, that was the show. Kristen. Um, she had no beef with Kristen, but I was there. Um, the, one of the most like monumental moments that I probably experienced was I had Sonia's phone. I had her passcode. And when she, you know, was, I was with her when she was running errands, like if she was getting her nails done or getting her eyelashes done, I would have her phone and be like, you just got this email. You just got this text. And she was getting her eyelashes done when I had her phone and we um, found out from Ramona about the divorce, um, which was interesting because like that's, nice to see that they really are close friends that Ramona broke the news to Sonia like personally um, because I think it was coming out soon so that was interesting and I remember Sonia told me to write a reply and I had to set, sign it Megan for Miss M like which was so funny that like that even needs to be established um, so yeah that was like one of the crazier moments in terms of like being intertwined with the housewives we also had a problem with Luann because um, when we would watch the show live, we had DVDs of it in advance. Mm -hmm. So we would kind of plan, you know, five minutes in, Megan's going to tweet this. And 
all of Team Sonia re retweets it, but it's not coming from Sonia, so it's a little bit more evergreen, it's a little bit more clear. Um, and I was doing a lot of dirty work because she wasn't happy with Luann this season. And Luann like reached out to me on Twitter being like, you work for Team Sonia, I know it, like this is all a facade. And I was like, girl, like, why are you coming at me? Um, but like, I got us in hot water because like I was doing, like doing a lot of the heavy lifting of, you know, calling people out on Twitter. Um, and then like everyone else was kind of retweeting it into the Twitter's verse. So it didn't look like it was coming from Sonia necessarily because she's a nice woman. Um, and we felt, you know, passionately about defending her. So we did. Um, but yeah, I got trolled a little bit by Luann. And like, what, you don't remember what you said? And it's did you sad. say it? Did you say it? Or you said it at Sonia? I said it from my account. Um, but then Sonia would retweet it. Like, you know, when, when Bravo celebrities get in trouble for like retweeting something and they're like, well, I didn't say it. Like, I yeah. don't think that. But like, it's, it's an endorsement for that belief. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, my memory does not serve me well enough to know what it was because it was six years ago and I'm too sucked up in this current season and the Queen of Leah um to remember but it was definitely an interesting moment that like they're these grown-ass women are coming at each other and coming at like their team because of the social media live chatter did sonia say anything like during that season at home like about luann you know what i mean just because she wasn't happy with her was she like when she would vent to you i mean that's what it sounds like she would vent to you about the show in general yeah i i think her her venting was really less about um, any of the women except for Heather um, and more about the editors because she really felt like she got a shitty edit and she was really upset that it, it it really portrayed her that season as like a complete mess and a complete alcoholic you know and that I, this was the season when Dorinda was like talking to her about John John Kennedy and and you know like she just looked like she was in another world that season and whether it was factual or not, Sonia felt very strongly that it wasn't her. And she felt like uh, she, it was kind of similar to how Sheena is upset in Pump Rules that she, no one's telling the story about her podcast, right? Like, or when she was in Vegas at that show and all the only way she's portrayed is like, oh, I'm boy crazy. And that's how Sonia felt about her own life. She was like, I have more going on. And she also doesn't show anything with her daughter, which really humanizes her, I would say. And she has a great relationship with her, but she made the choice to com completely keep that out, which I think would have helped her case. But yeah, I think she was mainly just really pissed off at the editors that season. And she was pissed off the editors because of what? Of the drunk, quote unquote, drunk edit or the like loopy edit that she name yeah. drops. Yeah. That makes sense. And other than Heather, she didn't really vent about any in particular cast members. No, I, I think she was a little sad that she didn't have as close of a relationship with Ramona at that point. This is where, like, you know, her and Ramona were, like, thick as thieves in the beginning. And Ramona just kind of was like, oh, as we've seen in the past few seasons, like, you know, she has birthday parties and doesn't invite Sonia, even though Sonia's birthday is right around the same time. Um, and I think that um that started getting to Sonia back then but she had such an adm admiration for Ramona still because it was earlier on in the season for Sonia at least 
So she didn't have as much beef, no. And I mean, were these knocks at the door at night regular? Like, did you get a lot of nightly knocks at the door at like 11 p.m.? Um, maybe a few times, but it was more so if we were running errands, like we would get dinner all the time. And here's a fun fact, which is, makes Sonia very smart. She has, if you search in her uh, contacts, you write comp. She has all the restaurants that will comp her to eat there. So she eats for free. Um, in the same regard, she has a list of designers that give her free, you know, clothing. So she's a hustler and she's smart and she knows what she's doing. Um, so, you know, we would go to Le Cirque and they would say, okay, you know, dinner's on us, but you better be filming with us again next season. And she's like, yeah, sure. So she made some smart deals. Like she, she really hustled. I'll say that. And how, what, how does the comps work? That was in the binder or there's a list? It's in her phone. So you literally just search in context comp and like a ton of things come up and she'll call them and be like, Hey, it's Sonia Morgan. I'm coming. Is that okay? And they're like, sure. And then when you went out for these comp dinners at, for example, the Cirque, did she leave a tip? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Just, you know, this is, it's could go either no, way. No, it's a, it's a just, solid question. It's a solid question. You know, there's no shade. I just, this is, these are, listen, I'm just here to deal with facts. I have no, no know, emotion. Um, and you always ate at the comp restaurant. So that's nice. Yeah. I ate well. I'll say that. Le Cirque on a comp is pretty nice. And same thing with the designers. She would just go and say, I want to wear this. I need something new. I'll bring it back mm -hmm. tomorrow and then send you over to pick it up. Yeah, I, I did it all the time. Um, this is pre-Giovanni, um, which would have been funny if I was there for that. But yeah, I did that, you know, every couple weeks. Um, and, you know, she, she made a deal where she had to post on Instagram, you know, and I would help her with that about, you know, all of the designer stuff she would wear if she had any special events. Um, so we would do that as well. And none of the women, like you didn't meet any other, I mean, we've already established that, you know, it was mostly her gays and her interns and her facialists that were the friends you never met at the house, like any of the other women coming over, popping in. I met Dorinda. I served that her, um, I, I served her tea, um, one day. And again, this was, I think Dorinda's first season when I was there. So it was like her and Sonia getting to know each other. It was like, and so it was interesting. Um, yeah. Did you ever go to watch what happens with her during that time while it was airing? No, I was pissed about this because she brought other interns with her because I had stuff to do at the house, which I was very annoyed. And so this is an interesting anecdote because I wrote her an email. I drafted an email for her maybe two months into being there. That was like, I went to this amazing school I think I'm better than the responsibilities that I currently have. I'd love to be involved in more of the social stuff, which I was involved in some of the social, um, you know, strategy, but not at core as core as the other interns, or I'd love to go with you to watch it happen live or, you know, help you with some more of high level things in terms of, you know, representing celebrity. And I never sent it because I got nervous. Um, but like it, it, it got to a point where, it gets tiring picking up dog poop and, you know, taking out trash and I'm not a dog person. Um, and my favorite story from all of this, which my friends were like, if you don't tell the story, I'll tell you, um, is that her dogs, um, she had two at the time. Um, I took them to the groomer one day and their, her dog Rouge 
got off of the leash when I left and was running in the street. And I'm not going to do this as shrill as I did in person because I'll hurt your ears and all of the listeners. But I've never cared about dogs ever, sadly. But in this moment, I thought my life was going to end. And I just felt this like burning passion to save them. And I was screaming at the top of my lungs, like, get those dogs! Get those dogs! At all these people. And someone scooped her, like scooped Rouge up in the middle of like, you know, like middle of the Upper East Side. And I like felt a like I, my life almost lost before my eyes. Cause I thought like, that was it. Like I'm going to get sued. Like my life is over. Like I'm going to be like torn apart on her social media. Like she's going to be spreading this dog's ashes everywhere because of me. So that was a tough moment. You would have been killed. I would have been absolutely demolished. But then because of that experience, it bonded me with the dogs um, in a really weird way. And she went to Europe for maybe two or three weeks to visit her friends. And the dog started sleeping in, in my room because, like, I was taking care of them every day. Like, they definitely, like, had a relationship with me that was special. And she came home and the dogs left her room and were pawing at my door. And she, it was the most she's ever yelled at me. She was like, you are not their mother. How dare you? Why are you letting them sleep in your room? Like, going on and on and on. And I was like, I don't even like dogs. They're just barking and pawing at my door. And I can't sleep. So that was a funny moment. And she really yelled at you. Like, she was really upset. Yeah. She was, like, li- probably near tears. About the dogs. Yeah. Did you feel, like, ever taken advantage of, you know, like, in the sense that it was clear, like, were you treated like a fan? You know, kind of like, you're a fan, and therefore you'll do anything for me because you're such a fan, even though I'm paying you $200. Yeah, I mean, I think the arrangement was never clear. Like, like we said, like, it was kind of like I showed up and I just jumped into it. And, and my responsibilities were never clear until I got there. So I'm not like someone who's just going to quit, you know, and leave someone, you know, out to dry. So I was in it for the long haul. I, I stuck it out until I got a job to leave where I felt comfortable. And, um, but yeah, I felt taken advantage of because I wasn't expecting to work seven days a week. You know, I I wasn't expecting to be an around the clock assistant essentially and running a household and taking care of dogs and her daughter all at once. So that part was difficult for me to swallow my pride and to, to do my job because I just felt like it was below me. But at the same time I signed up for it. I said, yes, like I had to stick it out. How many out like around how many hours a week did you work for this two hundred dollars when you were living there? I, I at least like eighty, if I not a hundred. Like I mean, it was like seven days a week. So it and it was you know from the moment my eyes opened until the moment I went to sleep, really every day. And you never saw your friends or like said, let's have a drink. Like you couldn't plan. I had a few Saturdays that I had asked her if I could have off to, and I'd come back early Sunday morning. Um, but she couldn't live without me. So after those few weeks, she was like, no, like you need to be here all the time. And then how, I mean, there's a, you know, you said there was five other people. So I guess why, I mean, I guess why is it, is it just the power of the celebrity? Like why is, why can you leave and Sonia can replace you? And there's just this roving door of interns. Is it because she's Sonia Morgan from Real Housewives of New York? I remember, because I got to hang out with like her gay community often. I'm also 
a lesbian. So like I fit right in and I really like bonded with all of them. They were over, you know, like four nights a week, just like drinking and on her, you know, like uh, outdoor patio, we'd have a blast and I would hang out with them. Like we loved it. But I remember one night she went to bed and I was staying up with all the guys and they looked at me and they were like, you are one of like the longest live-in interns that's lasted. Like normally people are like in and out of there after a week because it's hard. I mean, it's, it's stressful. It's, there's a lot of pressure. She is literally the most like organized, meticulous person ever. Like if I forgot one thing on a list of a hundred, she would remember the one thing I didn't do. And she would hound me about it like every single day until I did it. And like, I had a lot to do every day. So it was like crazy. Um, but I will say like people, her, her surrounding friends were shocked that I was surviving as long as I did. What's like the strangest thing that she asked you to do or like one of the two things? I mean, you had stuff in the toaster oven, you were at 11 PM, let's go to dinner. Like what's this one of the, some of the strangest things? Um, she had a photo shoot for a magazine um and we shot it in her tub and I she she was cracking me up because she was like normally Tyler would do this and I feel weird asking um like another woman but can you like lotion my whole naked body like and I was like sure like I just thought that was something that like people can do themselves like I didn't I don't even know like the allure of someone lotioning you other than like if you're getting a massage um so that was like on the weirder side of things I would definitely say yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, also, wasn't was Tyler gay? Yeah. So, like, I don't know how, in a way, that is any less strange-ish. Right. Like, she rationalized it very well, being like, oh, yeah, normally the boys do this. But, like, but it's not, it's a weird for you. And I'm like, I think it's just all weird. But, again, like, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So, I just did it. What else? Anything that sticks um, out? I'm trying to look. I wrote some things down. I mean, I know off the record you told me the pickle story. So I guess we won't, you don't want to share that on air. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the harder moments I had where like I was at my breaking point was um, the only thing she let me do was Monday nights. I played on a volleyball league with my sister in Hoboken. So I'd be gone, you know, I think I would play like eight or 9 PM. I'd be gone for a few hours and I sprained my ankle one time, like the worst sprain you could ever see. My, my ankle was like the size of Jupiter. And I came back, I went to, I went to City MD that night. I came back at like 2am after being, you know, at City MD, I had um, a brace on and crutches. And I, I told her first thing in the morning when I woke her up, cause I had to jump off, like jump up like four flights of stairs every day, like with my broken foot basically to cater to her. And she looked at me and was like, listen, I don't care if your foot is sprained. I feel bad for you, but I don't care. And shit needs to get done. You're going to do what you need to do. And she, that, the first day where my foot was like, literally like I could barely mobilize. She had me on the subway. Like she'd never taken me on the subway until that day. Like she, she just wanted to like give me a hard time that I spent any time not dedicated to her and that's the only reason I sprained my ankle so she was like oh girl I'm putting you to work and I do not care I was carrying her like like a thousand pound Birkin bag you know jumping down the subway with like crutches and like her backpack and she just was like no this is the day I'm gonna 
put you to work for like 15 hours and you're going to suffer. So that was like one of my moments where I was like, ooh, this sucks. Did you ever feel, because I mean, every time I've seen her at Watch What Happens, it's been with the gays. Like, did you ever feel like the gay interns got preferential treatment? Um, I'm trying to think if I ever came out to her, even though there's a big difference between like, you know, if you're a gay boy, you know, loving Sonia Morgan and a lesbian. Um, but yes, I think her, because every other intern was uh, a gay guy and she let them do the fun stuff, um, which is what made me sad. But they had different arrangements with her. Like they were people that were at NYU and were like literally seeking internships. So she would take them to like fashion week, you know, and I was more like, hey, I need a full time something to occupy my time. So I think she threw me into that category again, because she needed someone dedicated around the clock. Um, oh, okay. Now I remember one other weird story. Yeah. So I was there when she was having a tough time financially. Um, and she was getting a lot of pressure to sell her um, estate because she would make a lot of money for it. So at the time it was on the market and anytime um, anyone would come to see the place, she would tell me to like open all the windows so you could hear construction, like make it really messy and like dirty. And like, if there was ants, she was like, don't clean them. Like we want people to hate this place because she was so obsessed with the brownstone. So like every time someone came over, like I had to like let the dogs run around and bark and like open all the windows. So like the construction was really nauseatingly loud. And, you know, but she was, it was a strategic move. Like she was like, I want to show people that I'm willing to sell my house, but I'm not ready to let it go. And at the time, you know, I was, I was on her side. I did what she asked me to do. Cause she was getting pressure from the courts or whoever. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's yeah. a good strategy. That, that makes it sense. Yeah. What, so what eventually, like, how did you eventually leave this job? Like, when were you interested in leaving and when did you actually leave? I was probably interested in leaving like every day, <laughs> like that I was there. Um, but I knew, you know, I had always looked at it as I started in the summer. And I was like, you know, I'm going to see how a few months goes. And then I'm going to apply to jobs and see if anything bites. Um, and I got, um, I had such a weird trajectory post-grad in terms of what I did before I found my current job with that I've been at for almost over four years. Um, I got a job with Columbia University and Rutgers to do um, research for Hurricane Sandy victims. Like what an, int like that's a really odd jump. But totally was, unrelated. Yeah, but it was still close to like, I loved research in college and the sociology, you know, psych field. So it still was somewhat close to my heart. And I'm from Jersey. So Hurricane Sandy made sense, I suppose. But I got that job. And I didn't know to take it or not. Because first of all, it was paid like a normal job. So that part was nice. It was reputable. Um, and you know, my friends were starting to get real jobs post-grad. I was feeling like kind of left in the dust and I'm someone like Lisa Renna. Like if there's an opportunity in front of me, I will do it. Like, I don't really care if it's right or me wrong too. or if it's right or wrong. Like it's just, it's the right mentality to have, you know, you yeah. stumble along the way, but you grow and you learn. So I got that job and it was kind of poorly timed because she was in Europe for like three weeks. So at the time I was just like, 
living in her brownstone, like living the life, like running errands. I think Quincy was either with her or um, on her way to boarding school. So I was like chilling, like enjoying my life. Um, and I finally um, sent her an email while she was um, in Europe and I explained the scenario and how I, you know, it was really hard for me to say no because it was like, you know, a real paying job that I would be proud to work for. And she was the sweetest in response. The one thing I'll say is she loves to see, you know, her team of interns fly. Um, and she loves to see, like, she's proud of them because they're part of her family whenever they're there, whether it's three months or, you know, years like Tyler. And it's, she doesn't hold you accountable for it and she doesn't make you feel guilty um, for being self-interested. And I thought I was expecting the worst based on how hard it was, you know, working for her and how demanding it was and how much she really needed to have, you know, someone around 24 seven. So she was remarkably encouraging and supportive and which made me feel much better about the way I was leaving and the timing of it, like not even saying to her face, um and then that's all she wrote what about you know we've all seen on the show miss morgan sometimes likes to go with some boys you know she likes her gentlemen which is fine we're not shading we're not slut shaming here i mean i like boys too um like was it like did you go out for the besides these dinners for like the drinking nights were you part of like come and pick me up at this person's house did you wake up and there were strangers in the house Talk to us about that whole experience. Um, I'll be delicate, but she she would text me like, you don't need to come in my room this morning. Because normally I'd wake her up, you know, and bring her her schedule, her coffee, her oatmeal, tell her her bath has started. So I would, I could probably count on one hand how many times it was, hey, my room's off limits this morning because there's visitors here um, or a visitor here. Um, but it wasn't as frequent because I also was there the majority of when her daughter lived there. So, you know, it had to be circumstances where, you know, she was a really good mother and she took it very seriously. And when her daughter was around, it was full focus on her daughter. Like I was nowhere in sight. I was running my errands on my own. Like their relationship was very cherished to her. So I think that kept her at bay while I was there, but there were, you know, a, a few, you know, three or four situations where, she was, you know, getting them. And there wasn't a lot of mornings where you woke up where you were like, where Sonia? She is stumbling in now no. in the same clothes. No, no, she, I would, I got, I helped her get to bed a few times, you know, when we would have viewing parties, I would drink myself into oblivion if I was watching a show where I was portrayed like that as well. Um, and so, you know, me and the gays, you know, got her upstairs on quite a few occasions. So those days, were kind of sad because that's when I like you feel for someone like I know she signed up for this I know she's making a good amount of money for being on the show but it's hard to it's hard to see that you know and it's it's hard to see when like I said she rationalized I'm making more money this season so they're gonna paint me in a tougher light like that's normally their mo unless you're like that's really uh bless you um so I think that was interesting and then the only other comment about men was that um her ex-husband, um, they have a really tough relationship back then. And 
um, I accidentally let him inside once to pick up Quincy and he gets very aggressive and he's pissed that he lost the house in the settlement. Um, that's like, just doesn't work for him. So like he will, she told me that luckily he behaved when he came, but she told me that he has come in before and tried to like take paintings off the wall, you know, like expensive paintings that were his because he's just like not over it, which had been a while since their divorce. So I was shocked and especially like involving their like young daughter at the time and all of that. So I, I, that was one of the other occasions I got yelled at because I let him set foot in the house. Um, which I wouldn't think that would be a problem, um, but it was. And she wasn't there when you let him in? She was. She was, like, upstairs doing God knows what. Um, it's a five-floor mansion, so it's like she got lost in the sauce when I did that. But she said he's gotten violent in the past or tried to take paintings, I guess. I'm using the word Yeah, violent. and she just was like, it, it does not work him being in the house. Like, it's just going to, it's a setup for disaster, and he's going to start, you know, just like unraveling at the seams, and they have always tried to keep the peace with their daughter, so I think I learned my lesson then, um, and luckily, nothing crazy happened when I was there. <laughs> I can't picture Sonia yelling. It's, it's like, it's hard to take it seriously, because she is so sweet. Like, and especially when she was drinking, she would just be like, I'm so appreciative of, of all of you. You guys are my rocks. You guys are, you know, my saving grace. You guys are why I wake up in the morning. And it's true. Like this army of people that surround her th because they, you know, they worship her. So I would, I would love it too. And I would, you know, advocate for it as well. And the second she loses someone, I would replace them because everyone that comes in, they come in with the mentality that they're going to bow down to her the way that she wants to. Um, yeah. Is that what you felt? Like the gays were friends, but fans as well? Yes. There was maybe one um, fashion student that I loved to work with at the time that wasn't as like obsessed with the show and was mainly there just for like connections and being like, oh, can I help like, you know, with, whatever designers you want to work with this week or prep you for fashion week or like, you know, figure out your outfit for uh, an appearance or a photo shoot she had. So like it was, but that was a rare occurrence. The majority of people around her are gassing her up, you know, like obsessed, you know, love the show, which makes sense. And then loyal or like these gaggle gays, like I want fame. I want to hang with Luann too. Where's Dorinda? Why is Ramona not here? I mean, is it that type so, of fame whore-ishness? The, the gays that are just like her friends, yes, they are thirsty. They are there to, like, when I was there, there's this one picture that Sonia posted of uh, me and some of, the, and some of the other interns and a few gays um, in her back, back patio. And they, like, will be like, take a picture now and post it. Like, and they're not saying it because, like, oh, this will be fun for you or this is great for you. Like, they're doing it because they're like, oh, tag me. You know, like, I want to be in the photo. And, you know, she's, I think they give so much to her, so she's happy to give it back. But, like, that thirstiness is definitely there. And, but I, again, like, you know, there's, it's kind of weighing out the pros and cons for her. And they are loyal to a T. They will drop anything if she invites them over to her house or invite them as a guest to one of the parties that she's attending so I think that it all comes you know it all works out for everyone
That makes sense. And then and we're, we're wrapping up, I promise. Like yeah. when she would drink or whatever, like did she ever, you know, in addition, besides, you know, the producers and complaining about the producers, would she ever go into the whole like Morgan letters and I'm a Morgan, did that ever come out when you were behind the scenes with her? And I used to hang oh, out with Madonna yeah. and, you know, I flew to Paris with J-Lo or whatever it is. And again, I'm not knocking Sonia because I love her dearly. I'm just asking. Yeah, I think her her previous lifestyle is very much exposed the more she drinks. I've seen her quite intoxicated. And it's really funny because her level of awareness is really alarming because she'll say, I'm the only one who's not delusional on the show. I'm the only one who doesn't care so much about the show. But all she talked about when she's drunk is the show. So it's like really, it's, it was concerning because you know, as, as a friend, like, I felt like I was kind of her confidant for a while, you know, I was like, is there anything else going in your life that you can talk about besides for your past life or the show? And, and her, her daughter was really the only exception there. And the only reason that she ever, you know, would take a few days off from drinking because she wanted to be sober around her daughter. But yeah, I mean, she would talk about all the yachts she went on in her life, you know, in the South of France every summer. And I'm like, is that so happy you don't own a yacht anymore like you know what I mean but I was never there to discount her experience and discount her truth whether it's it's real or not um I was there to listen to her and and be a venting source for her which I am a very outspoken person that was very hard for me to do and it was very hard for me not to like psychoanalyze everything she was saying to her face or like start journaling about it and writing a tell-all because it was again, like I said, it was alarming to witness it. And it was kind of sad at the same time, because she has such a beautiful soul. And she means so well, she just got lost in her past life and is struggling to get out of it. Like all the clothes she wears are from decades ago, because they're the clothes she got when she was rich. And you know, like, I look at some of these tags, and I'm like, this is like, so old. And like when I packed her vacation bags, it was all those old clothes, like the, all the same shoes. Like she wears the sh same shoes almost every reunion from decades ago. So there's this like attachment to her previous life that she just cannot escape. Now, what did you, what have you, like, what'd you learn? Like, what do you take away from this experience of interning? For interview, happy you did it. Do you have a different yeah. relationship to like Bravo celebrities now? I mean, you're still a fan girl. Do you like, you know what I mean? Like, it, did, did, did this change you at all? Like, are you kind of like, all right, there's Dorenda, there's Ramona. Now you see these are real people or are you still, and I'm not, I, I'm not knocking it because I'm all, I'm all along the spectrum in so many ways myself, but. Right. I think in terms of what I learned, the best piece of advice Sonia ever gave me, which is interesting given her history on the show and, and how she acts. We were once at a bar, like getting a drink, and she said to me, you need to think that any time you meet a stranger, you need to act like they're Barack Obama. And she was like, you have no idea the influence people have. You have no idea where they come from, um, you know, if they could help you out, if you could you know, create a relationship with them, professionally, personally, financially, whatever it may be. And that was something that stuck with me because now I'm in the field of networking all the time at my current job. And I never really 
got networking, I never understood the value of that and socializing and making sure, you know, like every person you meet, like you really get to know them, you get to, you get them to hear you and you're, and you're putting forth the best version of yourself, um, whether or not she, you know, walks the talk. Um, that's something that always stuck with me. Um, and I think similar to what I've already said, the other thing I learned is that there's never a reason to say no to opportunities that are out of your comfort zone. This was as far out of my comfort zone in terms of my everyday tasks that I was doing. Sure, I love being a Bravo fan, but in the moment I was an assistant. I was not a Bravo fan really as I was living and breathing it. In hindsight, sure. But I think, you know, I just, I like to, I like to explore opportunities. I like to explore things that make me uncomfortable, that make, that challenge me and that eventually, you know, have built me into a better person because I realized that wasn't for me. Um, but, you know, this is what I learned from it. And, you know, and now I have a great story to tell. So it's all part of the journey. You have a resume builder. Yes. Something people want to talk about. I mean, listen, a couple of things and then we'll wrap up. I mean, in my book, not a plug for the book, but I say the same thing. I say like treat every, because, you know, the whole book is about fan to friend and a business. One of the things I say throughout my book is treat everybody as if they're a Bravo celebrity. I went to high school with Dorit. Well, you know what? Maybe if I became friends with Dorit way back then, who knows where we'd be today? Like Leah McSweeney, we were both on the same season of Millionaire Matchmaker together. Who knows? Maybe yeah. I could, like, it's really, tr I mean, you know, you just, you don't know the person today that, you know, you think is just there doing whatever for you. Like tomorrow they could be the president of the United States. So I agree with Miss Morgan. So that's yeah. good. That's good that you learned something from it. And would you ever, you know, and also, as you said, like you were working and at some point it wasn't like you were a fan. You were like, my life sucks because today I have to do this job. It's not about Sonia being on reality TV. It's that I have to go like scoop up dog shit now. You, you like lose the more you're around it. You lose the fan aspect of it. You're like, this is just my normal life now. Right. And I think it's also, it's, ex it, it exposes that, what when they film like five percent of that reality is getting aired and then within that five percent it's getting manipulated to craft storylines that will be entertaining so to see like the everyday life like she's just it stars they're just like us like that's legit like it's, it's true. true like people people live normal lives you know people have to run households people are parents you know people have to run businesses people have to you know make lunch and make dinner and clean up and like, that was the most exposing thing to me just to be like, okay, like this is just a normal person. And it demystified that whole untouchable factor to what celebrities are for me, um, which was something to learn and to embrace and understand, you know, when you meet celebrities, you don't need to make it a whole big to do. And, you know, you just need to treat them like people. That's all it is. Totally. I completely agree. Is there anything you feel like you want to leave us with that we haven't covered? I hope you've enjoyed your time on Behind the Velvet Rope. Oh, I, I've had the best time. I, I, I don't talk about this often because I feel like all, it was my whole life for like, as it happened and then a year afterwards. And then I was like, not that I was embarrassed to be involved with it, but I was like, I wanted to be far from it. But it's so fun jumping back in the saddle, especially because now, like with quarantine, I've for the first time in years, for the first time since living with Sonia, I'm watching Real Housewives live again. Like I have a group me, shout out to all my friends, where there's 30 of us that chat 
every single week about Roni as it's airing live now. And we, we never had that. So I think it's nice to be like back, like full throttle fan again, and to talk to you, like you're an inspiration in the Bravo community. You, you know, everyone in the Bravo community, you are part of the Bravo community. So it's really exciting to be here. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. I'm excited for your book. Um, it's, and, I mean, it's, it's, it's written. It's, it's a real book. Hey, when it's going to come out, I don't know. We have, oh, we have a minute to hey. go, but it's, it's written. Well, I'm excited. And just thank you so much for inviting me. Um, this was like this experience of a lifetime. The, the, the best experience of a lifetime since my Sonia experience. Oh my so, God. Yeah. That means a lot. Thank you. Listen, you'll yeah. come back on. Like we're not, we're come back on. We have our Patreon now, which is we're putting two bonus episodes out a month. They're different. So like maybe you'll come back to that. Like I have some other ideas for you. You'll, you'll come back. Oh, love it. But thank you for saying this was such a great experience. I hope you, that's what I want people. I want people to leave this show and be like, I had a good time. So. Yeah, I was nervous. I will say, you know, I have a lot of respect for Sonia. I, I didn't want to, you know, uh, be defamatory in any way. Um, but it's an experience that people are so fascinated by. Um, anyone that watches Bravo and knows who she is. So it's exciting to really get into the nitty gritty. You asked all the right questions and it was fun. Me too. And like, I know Sonia and like, I agree. I think she has like the kindest heart. To your point, the episode Up All Night, one of the funnest nights of my life. I stand by if I ever really want to go out and have an amazing night, I would choose Sonia over any other housewives, past or present. She's so yeah. much fun and just so, so, I mean, I had no, you know, Sonia, I had no ulterior motives to tear you down either. I just, you know, we were having a nice little chat. So I really yeah. appreciate it. DM me and keep in touch for real. I will. So thank you so much, Megan. Everyone, oh, and where can everyone follow you online? If you want people to follow you, you don't have to give your socials. Absolutely. Okay. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, I am Magaga Hubert, um, and it's spelled M-E-G-A-G-A-H-U-B-E-R-T. I love it. All right, DM me and keep in touch. Thank you so much. I will. Thanks, David. Bye. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.